but it's a journey, you know. Uh, no one starts out as Alexander the Great or General Patton. When you start start along that path of leadership, you're going to make some crazy mistakes, uh, and you're going to screw up a lot. But uh, it's a skill, and it's something that you just got to practice. Are you looking for a high-energy, competitive way to get your team to compete while training athleticism, hand-eye coordination, and lateral quickness? If so, you got to check out Spikeball. Top high school, college, and professional athletes around the world are using Spikeball as a fun and safe competition to start their training sessions, practices, and workouts. It's also a tremendous way to train your routines and releases and build that elite mindset. As a listener to the Peak Performance Podcast, Podcast, you can get a free spike ball set by visiting briancane.com slash spike ball. Again, that's briancane.com slash spike ball, because if you're not playing spike ball, you're just playing games. If your body could talk, what would it tell you? Know your body, transform your life. That's the motto of DexaFit, the best in helping you know your numbers. DexaFit shows you exactly how your body composition, cardiovascular fitness, and metabolic health compares to the optimal standard. We know that measurement equals motivation, and DexaFit measures your progress while providing the diet and fitness plan customized for your body. DexaFit is providing a tremendous opportunity for listeners of the Peak Performance Podcast to get their first scan at a discounted rate. Go to briancane.com slash DexaFit. That's briancane.com slash D-E-X-A-F-I-T right now to learn more. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, your Peak Performance Coach here with the Peak Performance Podcast. And today our guest is Chris Villarreal. Chris is a 2005 graduate of Allen High School in Texas, where he was a three-year letterman at middle linebacker while also serving as captain. Chris then went on to the United States Military Academy, and in his time at West Point, he ran three marathons, started a functional fitness movement, all while completing degree work in civil engineering. Villarreal designed, funded, and built the functional fitness area at the school's gym as part of his senior project. He was able to raise over $25,000 to purchase gear and fabricate a 12-man pull-up bar at the facility. Chris also completed the U.S. Army Survival, Evasion, Resistance Escape School while at West Point. Villarreal was then commissioned as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army Infantry after graduation in 2009. He then attended Infantry Officer School, Airborne School, Pathfinder School, and earned the Officer Leadership Award while at Ranger School. Chris was stationed in Fort Lewis, Washington before being deployed to, to hope I'm going to say this right, Qadar, Afghanistan as a platoon leader where he earned a Bronze Star. After finishing his service in 2014, Chris went on to earn a Master's of Science in Petroleum Engineering from Texas A&M while working as a Petroleum Engineer for Matador Resources in Dallas, Texas. It's my honor and privilege to welcome Chris Villarreal to this edition of the Peak Performance Podcast. Chris, thanks for being with us. Hey, thank you for having me. If you would, could you talk about your experience coming up as an athlete, Alan, in your with the performance course and kind of what you, the importance of that training and what you've kind of learned through the performance course that's helped make you successful as an Army Ranger today? Uh, well, I guess 
how to start out. I mean, I kind of started with the performance course. And I was in fourth or fifth grade, uh, and I kind of stuck with it the entire way, uh, going through middle school, high school, uh, and even you know some training right before leaving off for uh, for West Point. Uh, biggest thing that I took out of it, I mean, it's 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 really the discipline. I would say the discipline and consistency. Uh, whereas, you know, it's it's uh, it's never it's never pleasant to get up on a on a summer morning at. Uh, you know, 7 a.m. to go start getting an hour and a half workout in. But you kind of, you get in the habit of the consistency and discipline. And uh, once you start developing that, that's that's where I credit my success to is having that. Because uh, I guess I'm, I'm a believer is when, uh, when things start going wrong, you don't necessarily – it's not the the movies where you you turn into uh, you know Superman and all of a sudden you rise up to to the challenge. I think you you fall back to uh, you fall back to your training. You fall back to uh, to what you know. And uh, you know, in everything that I've accomplished, you just have to fall back to the discipline and the training. And you know, performance course was really what uh, what helped kind of set the tone for that for you know, moving on <clears throat> everything I did after, after high school. If you would talk a little bit about kind of, you know, after high school, you go to West, you, you, you go to West Point and when you're there, you know, West Point has one of the, the best centers for enhanced performance, centers for enhanced performance and mindset training, you know, in the world, very cutting edge. Could you talk a little bit about what kind of you learned there about mindset and the center for enhanced performance and then just the importance of mindset overall? Uh, well, I think w- one thing they talk about, and uh, I remember when they were when they were going over it, I was like, man, this is the uh, this is the same stuff that Gina was putting out uh, way back in the day was the goal setting, and uh, I had originally gone right before that I I've, uh, I started Seer School, which is that survival evasion resistance escape school, and um, that was a completely new experience for me. I didn't know really what I was going to get into, and and one of the uh, the officers that was setting up the program, recommended that all the guys go into SEER, uh, you know, check out this Center for Enhanced Performance. So while there, uh, they do uh, a whole lot of work on goal setting, uh, you know, making sure that you, you understand your big goals and then build up, you know, your your action plan with small, intermediate and immediate goals uh, in between, and then list the steps and how you're gonna get there. And so you have kind of that aspect and then you get into, uh, lots of visualization, uh, lots of, you know, really, really, um, detailed visualization and kind of the different techniques that you're going to go and accomplish, um, or how you can, I guess, use those to accomplish your goals. And then also, uh, kind of self-control, breath control, relaxation techniques, uh, understanding, you know, there, there may not be a whole lot of time for rest, so you have to figure out when can you um, kind of get your body to rest and recover, even though it may not be a, a, a night's sleep in bed, but when can you take mini breaks and, you know, try and get all the uh, recovery that you can. In terms of the visualization and mental imagery, you know, we, we've talked with the athletes through the performance course about the importance of that the night before a game, the importance of that of taking a playbook that you're trying to learn and instead of seeing the X's and O's on paper, kind of putting yourself in that, that, 
you know, taking it from the paper, making it 3D and seeing yourself out there perform. Could you talk a little bit about some of the benefits of visualization and mental imagery and kind of how you would do it and how you would use it? Because I think a lot of athletes do that, and you probably did it as a high school player, but didn't know that it was called mental imagery and visualization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I know as a, as a football player, uh, somehow, I, I don't know how I got the book, uh, but I got something, it's called like mental toughness training in sports when I was uh, like a sophomore in high school. And I think it mentioned something about that. And I ended up reading that like over the course of basically two nights. And I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty good stuff. And it mentioned a little bit about visualization and I picked it up and uh, going through high school, I was a, a linebacker. So really you watch video and then you just picture yourself like, okay, you know, this is exactly what I'm going to do when the, when the guard pulls or, you know, when I see this step, you just close your eyes and you understand, um, you know, kind of see exactly what you expect to see in, in the game. And, um, and then you just get that mental rep and, and it sounds cliche and you, you, it sounds, you know, Oh, mental reps. Okay. When, whatever coach, but, but it really is like, you have to really picture yourself, go through it. Even if you've, you know, going through in your mind in your bedroom and you, you know, take those two steps and, uh, just like you would, like when the ball snapped, I mean, that's just putting another rep, uh, in your brain. And kind of, like I said, you don't, you don't really, uh, rise up and become Superman. Um, you, you fall back to your training, you fall back to, to what, you know, uh, when, when things start going wrong. So, you know, when, uh, when the ball snapped and you, you fall back immediately, to your training. And, you know, part of that training is the visualization. Um, so it just kind of makes it more, more reactive and it makes it more familiar with, to, uh, to, I guess the, the situation. You know, two things, Chris, that you're talking about that we, that we'll cover with the athletes in the, in the course is one, you don't rise to the occasion, right? You're going to sink to your training and habits. Absolutely love that. And to hear that being said by you, just for hopefully for the athletes listening to this, they're not going, oh, this is something that this guy, Brian Kane made up, or this is something important. This is real deal. Holyfield, man. I mean, you aren't going to rise to the occasion. You're going to sink, whether it's combat, whether it's athletics, whether it's, whether it's getting on stage and speaking, you're going to sink to your levels of training and habits. So preparation is the separation. And I think the other piece about the mental reps is, you know, in football, because it's a contact sport, you can't go out and practice for five, six hours a day. So how do you get the reps? You can watch film, but you can take that to the next level using visualization. And it's one of the things that Urban Meyer talks about in his book, Above the Line, uh, at Ohio State is, you know, if you remember Ohio State when they won the national championship a couple years ago, I think it was Braxton Miller got hurt, JT Barrett got hurt, and then the third string quarterback that won the national championship, names escaping me right now off the top of my head. Cardell Jones, right, mm-hmm. had been taking mental reps all year. So Urban Meyer was like, you know, I, w- I was not concerned that he would be prepared because I knew he was prepared because he had taken all the mental reps, not necessarily the physical reps, you know, because the number one and two quarterback are going to get the most of that. But 10 yards behind, the one or two quarterback, every rep was Cardell Jones going through and doing the footwork and playing the play out in his mind so that when the time came, he'd be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think uh, I mean one time, you know, I I saw the kind of sink to your training, you know, the first time, uh, like when we were in Af- Afghanistan, and you know, uh, when when fighting does happen, you realize like, man, you no one's turning into Jason Bourne, you know, you're doing exactly what you've been training to do, um, to where the first few seconds of a fight are are 
you know, automatic. Like it's, you're doing exactly, you know, your reaction to, to fire. You're not even thinking about it. It's, it's exactly how you've been trained. You get on the knee, you know, you engage. And then once you take a breath, you're like, oh man, these first five seconds of the fight just happened. And I didn't even really have to control. Everyone kind of knew exactly what to do. Um, I know a cool story that, that I've, that I read, uh, it was a book by Lieutenant Colonel Grossman called, uh, on combat. And he talks about, uh, kind of the different, uh, psychology of combat. And then, you know, how in the military prepares, uh, for war and some of the training it goes through. And he was talking about, uh, uh, cops and there was a police department where they would train, or if a suspect pulled pulled a gun on you uh, to train to disarm them, to grab the gun from them, and uh, and to you know put it away. Well, the way they would train would be hint like two officers, you know, buddies, and they would have the rubber rubber guns, and one guy would pull the gun, and then the officer would disarm him. Then you would hand the gun back, and you know, practice again. Well, there's an officer that it actually happened in real life. Suspect pulled a gun on him. He grabs the gun, disarms him. Perfect, perfect. What's he do? He falls back to exactly his training, hands the gun right back over to the suspect. And they're like, what, what did you just do? Like, how did you disarm the suspect? Well, it's like, well, yeah, he, he did exactly what his training had taught him to do, which was disarm the suspect. And then just like he practiced, he, hand the gun and he handed the gun back to him. That's, so, that's unbelievable. So yeah, that that was one story where I was like, man, it's it's perfect practice. You know, you can't just go out there and think, you know, I'm just gonna gonna get the effort in there and I'm just gonna, you know, put in all this time. It's like unless you're doing it exactly how you need to do it in the game, you know, you're you fall back to to what you know. Well, it's that as we talk about all the time, it's it's game like practice, game like reps. You know, and instead of and people think sometimes, oh, I went out and practiced for three hours today. Well, maybe you could have had a more quality training if you only did an hour and a half, and it was game like, right? I mean, it's not the time you put in; it's what you put into that time. You know, if you would, Chris, let's talk a little bit about the role of confidence, whether it was confidence as an athlete or confidence in combat, and is confidence important, and where does it come from? Man, I think, uh, I mean, confidence is, is definitely just a, it's, I guess, directly related to the amount of preparation, uh, that you've done. And, uh, so you fall back to, uh, you know, confidence is just, or I guess you can say you can, you can be confident, but that doesn't mean that, uh, you can't be afraid. I think, I think some people think, well, you know, I'm really nervous. I'm a little bit afraid, but that means I'm not confident. Well, I think, uh, I, I kind of think you can still be both. Um, and I think where people, the great ones succeed is where you can recognize, uh, the fear and you can still say, okay, I acknowledge it. Like, yeah, the fear's there. I am afraid, but I'm still confident. I've still done the work. I know I'm ready for this. I can still get the job done. And you, you know, you go out there and you do it. And especially if as a leader, you acknowledge like, yeah, you know, I'm nervous and I'm afraid, but you know, it's my job. I have to, I have to be the, uh, the calm voice of the situation. And I have to, you know, demonstrate to my team that, you know, we're ready for this. Uh, we've done everything that we need to do and we're able to go win this. So 
I think uh, the confidence, I said, it's, uh, it's, it's all about preparation. So, you know, the more you prepare, the more confident you can be, but don't think that, uh, you know, just because there's fear doesn't mean that, uh, you can't be confident either. Chris, I'm going to tell you right now, that's probably the most profound thing I've heard anyone say in the hundred or so podcasts that I've done is that confidence and fear are not mutually exclusive, right? They can be the same. And whether it was George St. Pierre, a UFC fighter who would who would go to the cage with confidence, but with a healthy dose of fear, and people would always in, you know, in the UFC and mixed martial arts, they'd be saying, "Well, you got to be fearless." Well, fearless, I don't think exists, right? No. I mean, I think yeah. it's there. And even like myself, I just did my first Ironman, and literally lining up at the start line, I'm I'm going, "Okay, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. I'm probably 60% sure I'm not going to finish this." Mm-hmm. But I've done everything that my coach asked me to do for the last 20 weeks in training. So at the same time, I'm confident that I can finish this. It was, it was a bizarre, you know, it's not, and, and then, and then you get into it and you're like, yeah, man, I'm gaining confidence as I do this. Cause I'm like, okay, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I, it was my, it was like your first appointment. I mean, your first Ironman, I don't know. I, I've never done this before, but I know my training was, was on and I did it, but I don't know if it's going to lead to results. Cause I've never done it before. Is it the same way with your first appointment? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think you know you, you go out there and you don't. Uh, it's it's completely foreign to you, um, and it's you know it's a high stakes game. But but you know that you've done the best training in the world. You have the best equipment in the world. You have every resource every resource available to you, and so you just know. Like when you know the first time you go out, you're like, oh my god, like this is uh, this is for real. But you just you know that. You've done the work. You got to take a deep breath, and um, you know it's almost fake it till you make it because you know it's like as the as the, as the officer, um, you know, I was on my first deployment, and you got to stand up in front of your guys and brief the mission and and lead from the front, and uh, you know you uh, you really have to work to you can't show your nervousness or your fear because uh, you know then you get your guys nervous and fearful. So you have to be kind of, uh, you gotta be the confident and calm leader. So, uh, yeah, you just, you know, I guess, uh, fall back on, you know what, you know, I guess. Yeah, one of the things we'll talk, we, we talk about in the program is, is never showing weakness. And you, you didn't say those exact words, but it's what you said in the sense of as the leader or as the captain of your football team, you know, or as the coach of a football team, you're going to be nervous going into a game. But as the mm-hmm. leader, when everyone's looking at you, your confidence, your energy, your body language, or your nervous energy is going to transcend into them. So even though you might be really, really nervous on the inside, you have to project that confidence, and as you said, fake it till you make it. And you said that breathing is an important part of that. Talk about the importance of breathing to keep you patient in the face of adversity. Oh man, that was uh, that was one thing that the uh, the Center for Enhanced Performance at West Point they uh, they they hit on a lot is breathing, and then also just the body language, and then kind of recognizing how you know fake it till you make it. It sounds kind of cliche, but Hey, there's actually, there's actually, I think some, some, uh, some good wisdom in that because if you can say, I'm going to you know, project this body language, it's kind of tells your brain like, okay, no, he actually, uh, he actually is kind of confident. He actually knows what he's doing. So if you can kind of calm your breathing down, focus, work on, you know, acting like, or at least getting your, uh, I guess getting your breath, 
under control uh, in kind of a relaxed pattern, uh, it's kind of telling your body like, okay, man, calm down, calm down. And then you can kind of understand uh, uh, kind of what your body language is, is telling other people. And then uh, you can kind of make sure that you're not doing uh, nervous, uh, nervous body language. Uh, I think when I was, uh, when I was getting ready to deploy, uh, we had, a, an interrogator that kind of gave us a, a cultural, uh, class because a lot of times when you're there, you're, you know, they speak Dari or Pashtun, you speak English. So what's the one common language and it's body language. So we, we all read a book called like, uh, what everybody is saying. And it, uh, it kind of gives a lesson like, okay, you know, these are your body language cues that this is, this is nervous energy, or this projects that you're nervous, this projects that you're strong. So as long as you can make sure that, you know, even though say, you know, I'm speaking English, the Afghan speaking Pashtun, um, there is that divide, but I can translate or I can say this with my body, you know, that, that can be extremely powerful. And then you can also think, uh, you know, if you're talking to your team or talking to your soldiers, you can be saying one thing, but if your body is saying the complete other thing, you know, there, you can bet that no one's going to be listening to what you're actually, what, what's coming out of your mouth. You know, they're looking at, you know, what you're saying with your body. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and, and did you know all of this when you were playing high school football? Uh, I did not know. A lot of it came from kind of the leadership training, uh, through the military. Um, you know, you kind of get a sense for it all. And I wish that, you know, I can, I think back, I'm like, man, if I would have known some of this stuff and, you know, if, if I would have done, if I would have known this when I was, you know, at, at a football player, like, man, I think I could have, could have made a big difference, but you know, it's, but it's a journey, you know, uh, no one starts out as Alexander the Great or General Patton. Uh, you know, it's when you start, start along that path of leadership, you're going to make some crazy mistakes uh, and you're going to screw up a lot. But uh, it's a skill and it's something that you just got to practice and uh, you just have to recognize it and make the mistakes and say, oh, that uh, that that probably wasn't the best technique to use. Uh, I think next time I have a similar situation, I'm going to use something else. But, you know, I'm going to learn from that. and I'm going to, you know, take these lessons learned and be a better leader in the future. You know, Chris, last question for you here is if, if you could take let's imagine you're uh, you, you've got all the performance course athletes in front of you and they open up their skull cap and you can throw out a seed of success that's going to germinate and land in every single one of their brains and they're going to take it and they're going to use it when they leave your, your meeting with them. What would be that one seed of success that you would plant inside of the brain of the high school athlete? If you could go back, whether it's yourself or, or, you know, your experience in high school athletics, what would be that seed you'd plant inside of their head? Man, hmm, like what seed? There's so many seeds I'm sure that you've already dropped yeah. in this podcast. But if you had to come back, and you might have already said it, right? But if it would be one, so that the high school athlete listening to this goes, okay, where do I get started with Chris Vilarau's podcast? That got me all fired up. We're made to go run through a wall. Where do I get started? Where do they start? What's the one thing? Man, I would say, I would say, I mean, goal setting. Uh, understand how to do it. Uh, to where you have your big goals and your small goals. Uh, cause I think kind of, there's a lot of things that 
will start to materialize and you know you'll start to understand once you start putting together a good list of goals and one of them is hey figure out what's important to accomplish this goal you know figure out what you need to do and then look at what you're doing in your life that that you probably don't need to be doing or what's a hindrance to those goals um you know they say in the, in the military uh you know, when you look at the mission or you look at your, your new unit, you always ask like, uh, you know, what are we doing right now that we don't need to be doing? And what are we not doing that we need to start doing? Uh, so I think, you know, you start looking at that when you have your goals, you start eliminating kind of the, uh, extraneous details that, that are going on in your life that, 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 you know, I guess, uh, are taken away from, from accomplishing those. And, uh, you won't get bogged down in the details, uh, when you realize, you know, like football, it's, you block, you tackle and, you know, it, there's just not a whole lot of other things. Uh, cause I know like working out in high school, I would get real caught up like, Oh, you know, maybe if I try like these supplements or like, Hey, this guy's going to like a personal trainer and they're doing like this sexy exercise. Like maybe that's it where it's like, no. Don't like all that stuff. Just the details. Like it's the fundamentals. It's it's the discipline and it's the consistency and it's just moving the heavy weight around. It's it's doing the right thing, and that's ninety percent of it. It's getting sleep. It's doing a good diet and all that other stuff. It it it's not it's not that big of a deal. So do that, and then I guess the other thing would be. Uh, I was just talking to performance course athletes and high school athletes, you know, the goal setting, but if I could, I'd also want to just be smart. Uh, it's, uh, can't play football if you're dead. So recognize, you know, if you're on a boat, uh, wear a life jacket, wear a seatbelt in the car, you know, don't, don't mess around with guns, you know, look around and if it's like man this is a this is a kind of crazy situation but uh, i'm 16 i think i'm invincible you're you're not um and if if you think what what uh what would be the consequence if something went wrong here and one of the answers is uh i could be dead or uh you know someone else could be dead then then uh then don't do it um you know just can't play football if you're dead so be smart chris one of the best podcasts i've ever had man absolutely inspiring absolutely fantastic thank you for taking the time the energy and the effort to help educate athletes and help be a part of the podcast man thank you so much uh it's it's my honor thank you are you receiving my monday message in your inbox each week Visit BrianCain.com slash Monday to join over 100,000 peak performers who receive a new training video each and every Monday. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a positive review or share a link to this episode on social media using hashtag PeakPod. Mention Brian Kane and one thing you learned in this episode for your chance to win a free ticket to the next Brian Kane Experience live event. Dominate the day.